Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Are there such things as fairies? If so, what is their nature? Can we somehow cooperate with them and with nature spirits, whatever they may be? Well, welcome to the 438th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Paul, and Ben will be just a few minutes late tonight. He will be down after the first break. And uh, those thought-provoking questions uh, will get us started this evening. We welcome back this evening a good friend who has been on the show four times before, but not since December 2010. I can't believe it's been two years, Cassandra. I know. I've been traveling a lot. I've been spending a lot of time in Australia researching. Ah, Anyway, let me introduce Cassandra Eason, who is a renowned British paranormal scholar, folklorist, dream expert, psychic, and author of over 80 books. That makes me sick. Cassandra, I've only written, what, seven. Cassandra, originally trained as a teacher, earned an honors psychology degree while bringing up her five children and with the intention of becoming a psychologist. In addition, she wrote articles on women's issues for the British newspapers The Guardian and The Sunday Telegraph. Cassandra's books have been serialized around the world and have been translated into 13 different languages. She has appeared on NBC's Unsolved Mysteries and The Other Side, along with Paramount's Sightings. Her work has been featured over the years in Women's Woman's World and The National Enquirer. A paper for which I have surprising respect, by the way. She has lectured on the paranormal at Oxford, London, and Glasgow universities and was for three years honorary research fellow with the uh, Alistair Hardy Research Center at Oxford advising those who reported psychic and religious experiences. So by all means, check out Cassandra's website at www.cassandraeason.com, C-A-S-S-A-N-D-R-A-E-A-S-O-N.com. Cassandra, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Lovely to be back. Well, every time we bring up the subject of fairies on the show, people write to us with their own fairy experiences. Now, as Ben has pointed out on several occasions, it's perhaps the word fairy that, I suppose, implies or, or, or creates disbelief. We think fairies, we think of, you know, Tinkerbell dashing across the television screen or something or, or uh, something like that, you know, or, or the, or the, the Cottingly... Uh, Fairies, photos, yeah. that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but, Although uh, I do, sorry, I do seem to recall Tinkerbell actually getting the Lost Boys to shoot Wendy down from the sky. <laughs> so she, I mean, she wasn't exactly sanitized. No, not exactly. Not exactly. Well, it depends on her uh, her incarnation, I suppose. But uh, so, are there really beings like that? I, I myself have had my own uh, encounter in Puerto Rico with fairies. But are there really beings like this, and how do they differ from what we see in children's books? Oh, I think we are pretty, really, um, illusionary ourselves if we consider we are the only creatures in the known universe. And what I'm talking about are not the little fey fairies like Tinkerbell, in spite of her shooting down the odd lost boy, but actually nature spirits, the power of nature. You know, you stand in a tornado, if you can, you haven't experienced an earthquake, a flood, a fire, and you see elemental power at its greatest and those beings i believe we may see in particular forms and some of them are lovely but of course you have the earl king in germany who had people dancing until they died and 
you know, abducting women, and oh my goodness, you know, they really, they, they'd be up before the magistrate. <laughs> and let me just point out that Cassandra is is one of the the most feet on the ground people we know in this field, and and uh, so I, I take what she says seriously. Cassandra, is there a difference between what we call a fairy and a nature spirit? It's really how we view them. They are all creatures of power, and some of them do seem to be winged and. A lot of research was done in the 1900s by a serious scholar called Evan Wentz who came from Oxford and he travelled around England, um, especially Cornwall, Ireland, Scotland, Brittany, Wales, and he interviewed people who, down-to-earth people, who'd had experiences of these creatures who would sometimes be benign, sometimes would be nasty. But, of course, you also get the fey world blamed for human imperfection. For example, as late as 1833 in Cornwall, a guy called James Trevelyan was actually prosecuted for starving and beating his child because he said his child was a changeling, had been substituted by the fairies. And in fact, he got off because it was believed that if one had an imperfect child, a disabled child, one would say, well, the fairies have taken my own beautiful child and therefore I can do anything because again in the 1880s we had the case of Bridget Cleary who was burned to death by her husband and her relatives because they claimed that the real Bridget had been enchanted into a block of wood and therefore to get the real Bridget back they had to kill her and again the husband got away with just a few years in jail that's I hadn't heard of that case, but I, I, I had uh, my British relatives keep me well informed of things that are going on, especially because they can't believe half the things that are happening these days in the courts. And this fellow got off on, on a on a charge of child abuse, essentially, yeah, with the excuse done. the child wasn't was, was a changeling. Can you explain That's what a changeling is for those who a, might not yes, know? A changeling is said to be a fairy child that was substituted for a human child because fairy mothers were very anxious to have human children, it was said, so that they could interbreed with fairies when they grew up and therefore give the fairies a soul, which was said they didn't have. And so it was said that they would take the most beautiful, the most perfect children from the cradles and leave in return a hideous, deformed fairy child, like a goblin. Well, now, what does that remind us of? And Ben and I have kind of looked at each other in situations like this because pe- people come to us with stories like this, uh, and, you know, on our side of the pond here. And the question is, uh, gee, why is this so much like the stories we hear of alien abductions? Well, I mean, let's go back to the, um, you know, the Hopkinsville, Kentucky case where yeah, the we Hopkinsville... had a whole show on that, yeah. Did you? I mean, that has always fascinated me that these With the witness's creatures... daughter. Yeah, were described as goblins. And there is a t- goblins and greys, the scenes are terrific overlap, doesn't there? Uh, it, it's very true. Well, I'm thinking particularly of that. Uh, and, and, and that case keeps coming up on the show that occurred in 1955, and as Cassandra said, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And we had Geraldine Sutton Stith on the show, who was the daughter of yes. the owner of that house, and has written a book about that. It was fascinating stuff, and it keeps coming up. 
these beings would have been, and there were UFO sightings in that area that day. There, uh, the beings had uh, looked like the proverbial greys almost, but they had very large ears, as as the story has come down. So, so that that almost, I suppose, makes them fairy. You know, Cassandra, I'm also thinking of something that occurred within 20 miles of where I sit now here in New England, the Dover Demon uh, case ah. of the 19. I, if I'm, I might be wrong, 1975 or so. And over a two-day period, a, a small being very much like the Hopkinsville creatures was seen in Massachusetts, Dover, Massachusetts. And uh, there were all sorts of speculation about that. Even the, the great Lauren Coleman uh, came down from Maine. Of course, Lauren, uh, who has never been able to be on the show because he has a uniquely conflicting schedule with ours. But he is probably the uh, the leading fellow in, in cryptozoology today. So th these things do keep coming up. So, so go ahead, sorry. No, I, I was going to say, in fact, there's only been, there's only been one attested case of fairies back in the, um, excuse 1081 in Suffolk, um, not very far actually from the Rendlesham Forest, where two green children were said to have come out of the forest and they couldn't speak and they were fed on you know, berries and because they thought that was what they ate. And one of them, it was said, died, but the other one survived. But that is the only attested case of what seemed to have been say beings. Well, it's funny you bring that up because when we were speaking in Woodbridge last fall, uh, and of course the focus of our visit was Rendlesham Forest, and which ah. we'll, we'll talk about, uh, I, I looked up cases of odd things that had occurred. See, our belief, as as you will as you know, is that you know we're dealing with parallel worlds here, and that yes. there are certain areas where these worlds just come together in places like Rendlesham Forest, or uh, the, the uh, if you want to say the, the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts here, or, or uh, any any uh, the number of areas around the world where this seems to be a common occurrence, and uh, that's one of the cases that that we uncovered was I think it was only uh, 12, 15, 20 miles perhaps from. Rendlesham Forest, where that occurred. Also, there was a the battle in the sky scene near Norwich, and this is all the way back through the really back through Saxon times. And uh, these seem to be um, symptomatic of these areas. But but getting back to for the moment, we'll, we'll get back to Rendlesham. But getting back for the moment to our our, our nature spirits here, and uh, I, I I'm sort of um, a rather academic sort of person. Ben is the shaman type of guy, and so together we kind of make a team. But when, when I, I've always noticed that when I've walked into the into the woods or fields anywhere, that you can feel, even even if you're you know you're as deep as a as a piece of cardboard, you can feel some kind of powers there. Is that what we're talking about, or is it just yes. the, the life of the trees and plants, or is it the same thing? Yes, but they seem to have actual essences. They do. They yeah. do, and you know, I mean, you take Scandinavia, Sweden. When I've noticed when I'm on the fast trains going down through Scandinavia, you'll go through what are literally hundreds of miles of forest, and they're so deep, no one ever penetrates them. And you get the stories, still of the trolls there mm. and the other strange beings, the orcs. But it's funny because I came across um, a case in America, in North Carolina, of someone who called Jason, who he was a researcher who claimed to have been chased by this big black creature with blazing eyes and he was covered in scratches and then 
I came across a parallel case with someone called Pear in Sweden, and they were both describing similar creatures. And in mm. Pear's case, he would not have particularly known of these creatures. Well, that's the thing. I'm afraid we're coming up on a break, so we'll have to uh, wait until after the break to continue our, our, our fantastic conversation, amazing conversation with our good friend Cassandra Eason. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. We'll be right back. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries. Friday night, I'm going nowhere. All the lights are changing, green to red. Turning over TV stations, situations running through my head. Looking back through time, you know it's clear that I've been blind. I've been a fool. Open up my heart to all that jealousy, that bitterness, that ridicule. Saturday, I'm running wild, and all the lights are changing red to green. Moving through the crowds, I'm pushing chemicals and rushing in my bloodstream. Only wish that you were here, you know I'm seeing it so clear, I've been afraid To show you how I really feel, admit to some of those bad mistakes I've made And if you want it, come and get it, crying out loud The love that I Never in doubt. Let go of your heart, let go of your head, and fail in love. Let go of your heart, let go of your head, and fail in love. Babylon, Babylon. CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. 
Welcome back, and we're talking with our guest, Cassandra Eason, this evening, a British folklorist, author, par excellence, a psychic, and a dream expert, and you name it, uh, about the, the essences of, 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 I guess, natural forces that we know as fairies or nature spirits. And we were talking about how you go into certain places, and we were talking about Rendlesham Forest, particularly in, in her part of the world, uh, where you just feel the, these things. Ben, do you want to comment on your experience in Rendlesham Forest? Oh, God. And the presences we, uh, we kind of felt there? I don't know. I don't like delving. I don't like analyzing, but I just know I did not like what was there. Yeah, it uh, it was funny because maybe you can explain this. We were with uh, Larry Warren, one of the original witnesses to the 1980 UFO incidents. Yeah. Uh, Brenda Butler, who was uh, an author on on the subject and uh, probably the first civilian investigator of that entire case, and uh, who's come up with unbelievable numbers of of uh, new events that have occurred that we're still covering. Uh, it was at night. And uh, Ben didn't even make it out of the parking lot, you know, we, and into the forest. And then we finally did, and uh, there were definite presences, things following us. And I felt, and I cannot explain, I felt as if I belonged there. What is that? It's an affinity you get. It's an affinity because you are so tuned in that the essence is, what elementals, whatever you call them, actually accept you if you are respectful of them. You know, people go marching Always. in and then wonder why they get covered in scratches. I have a habit of whatever I'm entering an area like that. And as I say, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm not any kind of psychic or anything. Or, you know, I tend to be very scholarly, but but I have a, a, a deep connection yeah. and respect with this. I always will bow and ask permission to enter with love and respect. And I taught so Ben many, to do that. You know. Yeah. And, That's right. Uh, so many people don't, and then they have really bad experiences because it's a bit like coming in through anybody's front door. You, sure. Because it's a natural front door, you go in, you don't ask permission, and you're going to get booted out pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, well, that must be it, I guess. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But, uh, but you didn't like it there. I wasn't. A f well, I don't know. I mean, I just found it like weird, and like, for lack of better words, it just seemed like everything there was broken. So well, when your like, experience occurred, the dog started howling at a nearby farm, and, and the dog that was with us was, was upset. It was quite interesting. Um, I, however, felt at home there, and Ben didn't, wouldn't, didn't want to come back the next day uh, because we uh, well, came back in the daylight. <laughs> well, I was dead, too, on my feet, and we walked about 30 miles, and, uh, and Larry showed us the uh, UFO sites and things of this kind. But a uh, very, very powerful and interesting place. Now, here's, and we're getting a little bit off topic here, Cassandra, but I, I wanted to get your, your feeling on this because this has happened since the last time you were on the show. Yes. We um, have been investigating since '05 a case in Connecticut that we talk about frequently on the air. and It started with um, ghosts, quote-unquote, what they thought, and then got into UFOs, greys, you name it. And I think it's one of these places like Rendlesham in the central part of the state of Connecticut where people, things, things just come together, worlds come together, and all sorts of things that are seemingly unrelated will manifest. And uh, part of this was something that you don't always see in these cases. That was a military presence, presumably. Now, whether it was... Um, yeah, I, I, we wonder if the governments are actually behind some of this, or if it's not some sort of other organization. But they were people were encountering troops. Uh, they were centered at a particular farm, and we were in the process of making a pilot for a TV show. And ben and I were there, and it was uh, the place was deserted at the time. But there were all sorts of interesting things that happened to him. And the, coming down to the theory that 
we wondered if they were not doing some, somebody wasn't doing some sort of research on generating power from some of these natural forces, from uh, particularly portals, what are generally known as portals. I mean, have you ever heard of anything like that, that somebody's tying into, knows these things exist and is trying to tie into them for some sort of power generation or anything of that kind? Well, it makes total sense that the military and other government organizations are going to want to tap into them. I was mentioning to you briefly in the break, just going back to Rendlesham for a minute, uh, you were talking about dogs barking and the dog howling. It's one of the phenomena I've noticed is when you get these natural power sources, you get all kinds of phenomena. You get crop circles, you get demon dogs, the black shuck dogs that go right back to Anglo-Saxon times appear in Rendlesham Forest. Mm -hmm. And my own theory, especially the area you're talking about, is that they are on lay or energy lines, because this is something I've researched on a small scale on the Isle of Wight, and I found the number of fairy and giant legends, they are all along the noted ley lines. Interesting. I, I believe that this is what the military are so interested in. Of course, the beings from other galaxies, they are perfectly aware that they can use these power grids. Hmm. Can you explain for those who don't know what a ley line is? <clears throat> yes, it's a line, it's an invisible line of energy that stretches beneath the earth and right until medieval times, the Benedictine, the Benedictine monks would build their abbeys along them, and the old sacred sites seem to align, whether it's um, the stone circles, whether it is the monoliths, whether it is was originally temples that have now become churches or cathedrals, they even clumps of hawthorns, they mark these invisible tracks of power. And it seems that if you do look, USO sightings, crop circles, all these things, fairy sightings, you often get fairy hills on them. Mm -hmm. They all seem to be related to these energies that come not only from below the earth, but also attract the energies from the sky. And where you get particular points where the earth and the sky energies mix, you get what is literally a vortex of power. But, and that's why in the old Irish traditions, people will never build houses on what they call the fairy paths. Mm-hmm. That's right. There are two places in England, I wonder if you've been. Uh, one is Wisman, they're both in Devon, uh, Wisman's Wood on Dartmoor, uh, and also the Scorehill Stone Circle, which is not too far away from that. But, but what you said reminded me of, of my experiences in those two locations. There, uh, I was there in March of '89 and uh, do, doing research on the Beast of Exmoor, which is ah. not, not necessarily unrelated to what we've been talking about. Uh, although I, my personal opinion was just, just you know, an escaped uh, puma or cougar or something had been. I could just see some old colonel from the Raj or something having a black panther that he brought home as a pet and then releasing it in 75 when Parliament passed the Animals Act. You couldn't have any more of these strange, dangerous animals. And then interbreeding was some of the things. So that's, I don't think there was anything paranormal about it as such. But in any case, it gave me an occasion to visit these other two sites. In yeah. Wisman's Wood, <clears throat> which is an ancient uh, oak forest, are roughly 1,200 years old, supposedly, or, 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 or some of the oaks are, are 1,200 years old, and the forest itself is much older than that, uh, on a, um, a rather 
beautifully barren piece of Dartmoor, which is a wilderness area in southern, uh, southwestern England, where Sherlock Holmes set the Hound of the Baskerville stories, that, that sort of yes. place. Again, the demon dogs. Uh, well, exactly. But what I saw there was very interesting. There's a, there's a quartz vein, and it's, it's reputed to be on a very powerful ley line. Ah. And there's a quartz vein that goes right down the middle of the place, and you can just feel the power there. And I was by myself. You weren't supposed to go in because everybody does. Yeah. And I kind of wanted, you know, very respectfully. Uh, and then I looked, and, all, and on the eastern edge of the forest was a figure. Half a figure, I might say, to be precise. And it, it was dressed in, in furs with a fur hat. Uh, it didn't look modern. And I couldn't see anything below the waist. At one point, it, this went on for several minutes. It turned around and kind of looked not at me but through me. And I wondered, you know, who is this? Supposedly, uh, the the druids. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I am. T- I'm just Ben's uh, signaling. Uh, no, I'm saying I have a question. Okay. Okay. Well, go ahead. Now. Anyway, I saw this figure and then it looked away and then it disappeared. So I don't know. What the- go ahead, Ben. Alrighty. So let me ask a stupid <laughs> question here. You can what never exactly, ask a stupid question. What exactly are ley lines? Oh well. Well, actually. Uh, uh, Did we already go Sandra, over that? Yeah, we already kind of went over that. Yeah, energy lines. And, you know, what, what, what I, kind of energy? What? Okay, that's what, a good question. That's, and to be totally honest, Ben, it's one of these things no one actually knows. No one actually has been able to... Yes, you can measure the energies, but no one knows what they are. But then when we think hundreds of years ago, people would have said electricity was magic. Then maybe we just haven't got there yet. Yes, that's true. I, I have not... You know, obviously, these energies are there. I'm, I'm not quite sure what to make of ley line theory. I picture it as a, sort of a net uh, yes. around the planet. Uh, perhaps feeding off the planet's electrical field or something of this kind, because these electromagnetic fields have a lot to do with uh, funny things that go on in space-time. Uh, in my opinion, in my experience, I think that this is the uh, electromagnetics is the the energy and the glue that holds things together and can uh, manipulate things to a certain point. Um, that, that seems to be the way I, I would look at it. Could but, this be an interdimensional energy? I believe it absolutely, because we find that the at least when we when we are in places where there is there seems to be worlds blending and crossing. Yes, you often get these very bright lights. Uh, yes, like like uh, extremely bright, and you can in some of the photos we have, you can actually see one version of one room on on one side of of the light, and on the other side, another version of the place. You know, which is very interesting. Of course, but uh, my question is, when, when uh, psychics and mediums talk about the light, you know, uh, are they simply talking about uh, maybe, maybe what they're seeing is the boundaries between parallel worlds, and on the other side of that world, uh, of that boundary, might be a hellish world. So I always say be very careful when you send someone to the light, just because you don't see them, it doesn't mean that they've gone to heaven. They might have gone to, exactly. he- you know, to hell at your behest. So that, this sort of stuff is, tends to be complicated. But as far as these nature spirits are concerned, we often point out that in multiverse theory, as we understand it, anything that you can conceive must exist somewhere in the multiverse, some, somewhere or somewhere, or you would never be able to conceive it. So um, th- that's why we take these, thing, these things seriously. Let me tell you about my uh, fairy experience in Puerto Rico. I've mentioned it on the show several times, but I'd like to get yes. never to you as far as I can No, you haven't. Okay, I was down there in 1984, and I encountered a doctor 
uh, and these are well-educated people, a doctor, and his wife was, was a real estate uh, agent in, in the San Juan area, and they lived kind of on the outskirts in a semi-rural place. They had several children. And they told me that every Saturday morning, they would take a walk. They would leave on their kitchen counter beer and fruit, not a combination I would enjoy, but somebody else apparently did. Yeah. And they came back, the fruit and the beer would be gone, and the house would be clean, including the breakfast dishes. The washing up had already been, you know, it's somewhat, they don't know who did, but they, they believe, they said it was fairies. And in the area, the, these fairies were well known. And uh, the trouble was that I set up cameras and things to, to take pictures, and I went for a walk with them on this Saturday morning, and I got back, and the housework wasn't done. They were upset. I thought I'd have to do the dishes. Well, but yes. it, but it, So, I mean, have you ever encountered anything like that? I might have heard of fairies doing yes, no, these are common throughout the world. You have the brownies of Wales and England. You have the Toonton of Scandinavia. But and they will live sometimes in the barns. They will live in modern apartments. The Russians have them. But they will clean and they will do things. But they will not be spied on. And if they do, they generally go and then come back. Yeah. Because they basically don't want to be measured and photographed and assessed and analyzed because mm-hmm. they are doing their work. Well, They're getting on with their business and they don't want some interfering person trying to take a picture of them. Well, I, I can respect that. And we'll be right back <laughs> after our next break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio with our wonderful guest, Cassandra Eason. Stay with us. We'll be right back on the subject of fairies and nature forces. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons, no boundaries. Love is but a song we sing, feels we will die. Can make the mountains ring or make the angels cry. Though the bird is on the wing, and you may not know why. Come on, people now, smile on your brother, everybody get together. If you hear the song I sing, 
CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New skyradio.com. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. I'm Ben, and this is Paul. And we are talking with Cassandra Eason about uh, fabulous fairy tales. Fabulous fairy tale-like fairies. (laughs) All right. So, Cassandra, uh, we've been talking about fairies who perhaps will assist you with housework and, and who, who other, in other ways, cooperate with human beings, fairies being whatever they may be, uh, nature, spirits, forces, uh, but certainly uh, sentient beings, seemingly, who share this realm with us in one way or another, as do many others. And in our paranormal, or particularly mine, over, over the long years, I've encountered all sorts of interesting species uh, who uh, simply are neighbors of ours in, in the multiverse. And uh, th- there's, um, I, I wanted to mention, too, that we, we live near the edge of a forest, and um, we uh, have a lot of protection here at this particular spot. The, the hill on which we live is very strange. If you look in books of New England folklore, you'll encounter the Devil's Hole sometimes, which, is, which we believe is on this hill, because it was supposed to be in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, where we live. And this sort of thing. And, but there are a lot of guardians around here. One night I was out in our, um, uh, well, we call it the sunroom. It's sort of an enclosed porch. And I was uh, doing my uh, walk, my exercise. And I looked out and there was a huge brown bear-like creature moving under the window and out into the, the back garden. And I, oh, my goodness. But I knew right away it was one of the guardians here. And uh, we are protected probably because of what we do. And I really, really respect that. So what other kinds of creatures besides what we might know as fairies would there be and that we might encounter in the woods and fields or even in, even in our own homes? Other things, some of them traveled. And for example, the Simbi came, they the water spirits. They came over in the 1800s with the slaves to South Carolina. And they lived in the water holes. And they protected the slaves, they protected the people. But you get, in different lands, you get different spirits. For example, in Australia, where I research, you get the mimis, who are the, they can be earth spirits, air spirits, fire spirits, water spirits, but they live within the sacred structures, and they are protective, but equally well, they demand respect of the people. 
And there are these strange creatures called the bunyips who are, they almost look like dinosaurs, very much like your bear. Oh. But they, they live in the water holes and they are friendly to the people, but at the same time, they have been known to drag the unwary down into the water holes. So they're very, very ambivalent fairy creatures, fae creatures. They are very much, they have their own rules. They may be benign, they may be unfriendly, and that's why people can't assume that these beings are just there to entertain us, to amuse us, to show themselves, because they don't need us. And that's quite quite a big thing for humans to take in. They exist independently of whether we see them or not. Exactly. And that, that leads right into my next question. I don't know if you have any questions up to this point about that. because of, Let me think about it. I'll get right. back to you. I was going to, <laughs> ask, about, <laughs> going to ask about... Uh, the, the uh, whether these can be trusted because as you know in our paranormal work we, we, we run into all sorts of things that appear to be one thing and turn out to be something entirely different very often very negative uh, we call them parasitical entities who yes. you know wh who can pretend to be your loved ones they can they can give you false information that, that, in order to push buttons to make you upset and angry fearful whatever so they can feed off the energy and uh, wh where might um, the fairy thing enter into this. Uh, could our parasites be considered uh, part of this picture, uh, or even the fairies? Could they Absolutely. be good or bad? You know, the fairies have what's called their glamour, which is their illusion, and they will offer people. People say, if you take gold from a leprechaun, it will just dissolve in your hand. They are, by their nature, tricksters. They will create beauty. They will people to dance all night in a wonderful fairy world having fairy food and drinks and making love with a fairy queen and in the morning you get some according to the legends you get some poor guy lying on a hillside but he's not in the morning it's 20 years later and uh, they yeah. are they are illusionists they are not immoral they are amoral they don't have the same morals as we have learned to abide by over the years and that's it as you know with the spirit world they don't have the same standards they will suddenly change from being our best friends to a demonic force you might not even have the same physical laws in their own worlds you know. uh, uh, let's give you a chance to talk about this wonderful book the magic of fairies before we run out of time, and people can find out where to get it and uh, so just go ahead there's a couple of questions I want to ask you about it after after that yeah, it's called The Magic Affair, and I wanted to write a book that wasn't, that was partly historically accurate, but mostly important, showing people how to work with fairy energies, and not to go with just the pretty, fluffy ones, but to go with the genies who are in the lamps of fire spirits, who will promise you anything, but you have to be careful what you ask. I wanted to write about the goblins and the gigantic orcs as well as the beautiful sylphs flying through the sky and the mermaids because I wanted to explain as best I could from my research about these parallel worlds and use experiences of same ordinary people 
to say, hey, this is what happened to me. And no, I can't analyze it necessarily, but this is what happened. Like the the man who got lost in the Australian bush and was absolutely freezing. Just the nights get very, very cold. And these little brown creatures covered him up with leaves. And then in the morning, someone who looked like a bush ranger, but in fact was some sort of spirit that disappeared, led him out. Mm -hmm. And so they can be very helpful. But at the same time, the will of the wisp can lead people across marshlands. They can get them to drop their treasures. They can call you. They can guide you through the forests and then lose you in the tangled brambles. I wanted people to realize that it's not all this safe world we have built, our beautiful buildings and our lovely, lovely mobile phones that we think make us so safe. But a world that is wild, a world that is unpredictable, that was there before us and will be there by the time we've blown everything up. It'll still be there. That's well put. That's very well put. When I was... uh in Canada, at one point, uh, many years ago, I was uh, caught in, the, I guess, a small avalanche, and uh, something pulled me out of a drift of eight feet, eight feet of snow. <gasps> and all the Canadian soldiers I was with were jumping up and down. I thought I was dead, and some, something yes. pulled me up out of there and, and saved my life, which we, I often thought of as an angel. But again, these are just terms we use. But, you know, Cassandra, the way you describe the, the actions of many of these creatures, they almost, in a way reflect people i mean you deal in business or or even something you know you can very easily get misled have illusions presented to you get ripped off as we say and this kind of thing you know um perilous perilous worlds and perilous times but in new england here we have the the puckwudgies and uh, that's uh, supposedly a Native American term, but most of them, they know what they are, but they said it's, they didn't originate the term. But the point is that, Ben, did you want to talk about the Pukwudgies? You know more about it than I do. Okay, well, well we both, in a way, kind of experienced uh, something like that, we think, in yeah. the um, uh, Bridgewater Triangle, as I mentioned before, in Massachusetts, which isn't that far from here. And there is a, a, a protected wilderness area there at the head of a beautiful lake, and we happened to get out and, and just sort of look at the lake and see what we could see. And we really felt as though we were being watched, you know, very, very uh, sharply, in a sense, very, yes. very clearly. And we took some photos, and um, sure enough, there, there came out some very odd-looking small figures, what, what appeared to be small figures. And I learned photography professionally in the military, and I just, I'm very skeptical yes. about photography. But th- these were very striking because there are very – the only flesh tones in nature really are – mushrooms and they're not up usually on tree branches so uh, this was was quite interesting i'll um put the pictures around our talking points but i'll send them to you just just to see what you think but um you're right uh from um whether whether these came from europe uh, some of them uh, others uh, seem to have been uh, native to america they don't seem to be really limited by time and space i don't think they are i think we are the ones who try to put to, to converge everything to put everything into boxes. Yes, we do. Yeah, and, and that is really uh, Ben. Ben was raised with sort of a more Eastern mentality, yeah. uh, yes. and uh, he gets so frustrated with with the Western way of thinking. Yeah, it, it's um, the older I get, the more annoyed I get with it. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, again, the pigeonholing, you know, the the mania for categorizing and making things fit our framework when things don't fit our framework. Yeah. 
You know, we really That's have to right. learn ourselves. If you so, can't weigh them, if you can't measure them, if you can't repeat it in a laboratory, then it doesn't exist. And it's an illusion. That's probably the biggest illusion of all. You know, not, not to cast science into complete disrespect, but uh, I, I have uh, doubts about the scientific method. I think it has to be rewritten in the light of quantum mechanics. But just uh, we're almost up to another break here, but I wanted to ask you some definitions of things that uh, people might encounter in your book, and I'm sure you would define them, but I didn't have a chance to read the book. Uh, just very quickly, the, the, uh, the term fey, F-E-Y, you mentioned that before. What, does that, things having to do with fairies, is that what that means? Yes, it's, it comes from the old French word, fey. Oh, okay. F-W with the accent. But yes, fey is, and fairy itself, they come from the idea of being magical, different. And of course, the, um, there's the wonderful tradition in France of the Corrigans, who were supposed to be the white maidens who stood around the fountains, and then the guys would kiss them. Um, and they would turn into hideous hags, but they're very much linked with the old Druid, Druidess tradition that, of course, in Brittany actually mm-hmm. survived until 1700 on the Ile de Seine. Okay. And so, I, therefore, sorry, we're going to I'm sorry, I have to stop. We have another break. You're right. We have another break. We'll be right back on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS News Sky Radio. Stay with us. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New Horizons. No boundaries. I thought I saw a man brought to life. He was warm, he came around like he was dignified. He showed me what it was to cry. Well, you couldn't be that man I adore. You don't seem to know, seem to care what your heart is for. I don't know him anymore There's nothing where he used to lie The conversation has run dry That's what's going on Nothing's fine and torn I'm all out of faith This is how I feel I'm cold and I am shamed Lying naked on the floor Illusion never changed Into something That's what's going on Nothing's right, I'm torn 
Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Oh, you wanted me to do the intro. I wasn't entirely sure. You wave, wave Anything's your, possible. Waved your hands around. And yes, I wasn't, sir, wasn't really sure. With you. So welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am. I almost said I'm Paul, but I'm actually Ben, and this is Paul. Well, somewhere, somewhere, you're Paul. Yeah. Well, we're yeah. all. We are all Paul, except for Cassandra Eason. But even then, somewhere. somewhere yeah. Maybe I'm. Pa- maybe I'm Pauline or Paula. Well, <laughs> Pauline, gotta love the unity. Paula. Gotta love the unity. Okay, Cassandra. Uh, uh, before we we left, and th- th- this is a, a world of of fascinating subjects just within the topic we're talking about. But I wanted to ask you about, you've written it also about the, the uh, pagan view of Jesus, which I think is a fascinating subject. What's, um, just in, in the, you know, as quickly as you can, what's yes. your, what are your findings well, on that? Yes, I contributed to uh, Mark Townsend's book on that. And what fascinated me was you had Asus, E-S-U-S, in the Druidic tradition, who was married to Artio the bear goddess, who was the oldest, who's the oldest worship in the world, but... He was a sacrificed god who hung from a tree. Mm-hmm. What That's fascinates me is the parallels between the spring equinox, where, of course, Attis, um, in another tradition, was sacrificed and came back on three, three days later on the spring equinox, and the parallels of the, birth, the so-called birth of Jesus in the midwinter the return of light, the rebirth of the Sun King. And we think, well, hang on, something's going on very, very exciting here. Here is this this man, this icon, this great person, Jesus, who in fact is a continuation of the old themes of sacrifice and rebirth, the sacrifice of the corn god to be born as the new crops. And that is what is so fascinating, the Son of God, and the rebirth of the sun. Well, th- that's fascinating. You put it that way because that's uh, I, I, a rather beautiful motif, I think. But it's also that's exactly the way the early church looked at it. They deliberately wanted to make it easy for pagans to understand, and so they deliberately put the uh, the birth of Jesus on you know the the, the feast of the sun, the sort of December twenty fifth. That's right, and yeah. Easter, and of course they went on. I mean, the original hot cross buns were symbols of the old Earth Mother, and you actually find them in the ruins of Pompeii. That's right. Yeah, that's and right. And all of the old traditions were grafted on, so people could understand the old Mother Goddess wells became Mary wells. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, I actually visited a holy well in Devon, and I only found that on the Ordnance Survey map. I have no idea what saint or god or was associated with it, but it was an incredibly beautiful experience. Middle of nowhere, all, there were only a bunch of sheep kind of looking at me curiously, and then there was this wonderful <laughs> well. And, yes, the, cure, right. the suspicious but, sheep. <laughs> yeah. And they go back thousands of years to the they old do. mother goddess, the old... Yeah. Three triple goddesses. It's funny, I was in Winchester Cathedral having quite an argument with this curator guy who was trying to tell me that this old well under Cathedral had only been there since 1300. That would be unlikely. And that's what I said. I said, yes, but it belongs to the old traditions. It's just the Cathedral was built on the old sacred site. Oh, no, 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 he said. We don't have anything to do with that sort of thing. 
Well, you know, I often, with all due respect to uh, English tour guides, I found you know, <laughs> been in the cathedrals and things. You know, the tour guides, a lot of them don't seem to know an awful lot about yeah. something, well, with, with many exceptions. Yeah, but Chartres Cathedral in France, where there's the fabulous labyrinth, is built on the old Druidic center where you had the original black Madonna, the black statue. They had the virgin who was going to be give birth to the child who was going to save the world with the oak leaves on her, the old druidic sign. Oh, absolutely. Well, as, as I told you, but getting beyond the symbolism to, to the, 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 the historicity of some of this, yes. as I wrote to you earlier, I have always been convinced, and I'm not the only one, I've talked with a couple of rabbis who were too nice to say this if they don't know, if you're not a Jewish yes. person and, and, and they, they don't want to offend you, they won't say this. But once you get to know, I get to know a rabbi at the, the, the temple where I was studying uh, Hebrew, because uh, yeah. I wanted to read the Old Testament, the original, and it's very interesting when you do that. Yeah. And he said essentially something that I'd always suspected, that, that really uh, Jesus was a great Pharisee, Pharisaical scholar. He teaches just like a Pharisee. They use, they use parables yeah. and all these examples, probably from a very affluent family, because the word used uh, that's usually translated carpenter probably means building contractor. And uh -huh. as, I, as I said, yeah. you know, 12-year-old kids were not presented in the temple when they were poor carpenter's sons. They were members of the aristocracy, descended from David. You know, this doesn't mean that one way or the other, good or bad, it's just it, you have to understand a lot of the things in the, in the Gospels. And uh, Paul, who really was the creator, in my opinion, of the Christian church as we know it, uh, was um, uh, probably a failed convert to Judaism, and grew up in uh, he, as he said, in Tarsus, where, where Attis, as you mentioned, was worshipped, and uh, all the very, most, right down to the bread and wine, they believed was actually his body and blood. I mean, was this some kind of coincidence? And uh, these wildly un-Jewish doctrines that crept into Pauline Christianity, as opposed to other forms of Christianity, which they stomped out. And I wonder if Jesus wouldn't have punched him in the nose. Well, quite possibly, because of course, in, in paganism, you have the cutting down of the corn god and the shedding of his blood was the barley wine that was made. We have the old song, John Barleycorn, which refers to the original bread and wine. Sure. Well, the whole Isis and Osiris story, really, is, is a similar motif. Exactly. And, and the resurrection. And it just, uh, it seems to be... I going to say that, too. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. That's whatever. Resurrected by his wife, the mother. Yes. And certainly, uh, these are things that, that are that are deep, deep archetypes within us. And uh, I'm afraid we're coming down to the wire here, Aww. Cassandra. It's it's always too short, and it's always a great pleasure. We'll be in touch. We'll have you on. It's not going to be another two years. I'll tell you. No, that. no, no. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you. Very good. And again, CassandraEaston.com, folks, and the magic of fairies working with the spirits of nature. Cassandra Easton, check it out. It's a great book. Cassandra, thanks very much. My pleasure. Okay. Very good. So let's. Uh, would, you like to, would you like to do announcements, or should we go straight to the outro? We well, well, we have a little time. Yeah. What have you got to announce? Well, that's, I asked if you had announcements. Okay. Well, no, I just uh, wanted to tell you about uh, our website, of course, behindtheparanormal.com, where you can get. My goodness, I think it's over 450 podcasts at this point. All free. All the podcasts. All the podcasts you could ever want. If you have 450 hours, it's amazing the people who tell us they listen to these at work. It must have very indulgent bosses. Mm. So uh, check those out, BehindTheParanormal.com. Guest information, past, present, and future. And some stuff about what Ben and I are doing. You can also subscribe to our sometime newsletter, which doesn't come out very often. We're, we're way late on, the, on one. That's okay. Anyway. 
So there we are. You get you get good quality. So many thanks to our producer Brandon Jackson, and we will see you right here uh, next week, April fourteenth. And my dad and I will present an open line show to catch up on some of your emails. And we got some very important topics to discuss. Uh, a lot of serious things people have been writing to us, particularly in the matter of suicide. Uh, yeah, we're going to get into that. I think we're going to spend two shows on that because it's. I'm very concerned about this. Indeed. Anyway, in the meantime, tune into our Boston Providence Drive Time Show on WON, 12.40 a.m. on onworldwide.com, 6 p.m. Eastern Time every Monday. And check out the over 450 free podcasts once again, behindtheparanormal.com. And uh, to help us to uh, keep up with those podcasts, keep them free, you can buy my books on that site, too, so please get them there. Uh, you can also get them in a number of other places, but uh, we'd appreciate it if you buy them there. And we leave you this evening with a quote from some unknown sweetheart. When life gives you a hundred reasons to cry, show life that you have a thousand reasons to smile. You're I'm tried, Paul Eno. You almost, you almost forgot your name. I'm, I, be, I'm, I'm ben getting Eno. old. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. We shall see you next time. <laughs>